The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today and Happy New Year. It is 2023 somehow, January 1st. I pray that this year will be a year where the Lord moves in and through you and does things in your life that you can't even possibly imagine just yet. What I try to do every year when we step in is I try to encourage our church, the very, very, very beginning of the year, try to encourage them towards prayer. But starting next week, we're going to do a three-week series called Focus, and one of those weeks will be on prayer. So I, I don't want to double dip, but I do want to start the year intentionally asking the Lord to do incredible things. So next week, we start a three-week series. At the end of that, we'll jump back into the Gospel of Luke. So we are not going to forsake that. We're coming back to the Gospel of Luke. But today, today, I want to look at an Old Testament story. It's one that I've actually taught here about six years ago. So if you've been around for more than six years, you may go, I I feel like I've maybe heard some of this passage before, but it is one of my favorite stories because, because within these few verses, I see the most audacious request that I think is in scripture. The most audacious request that someone makes In scripture, I find it here, and that person is Elisha, and he makes the request from Elijah, and I just want us to be on the same page right now. We're going to talk about Elijah, he's senior, Elisha, he's a successor, he's junior, sounds very similar, make sure we understand who is who there, but we are going to be talking about them, and Elisha, the successor, he makes what I believe to be the most audacious request in scripture. And the reason I want to cover it today is because I hope that 2023 will be a year where you petition the Lord in audacious ways, asking him to move in and through your life and the lives of others in such big, monumental and profound ways that when you look back and go, that, that was the year. That was the year where I saw the Lord move. And the reason you saw him move was because you asked him to. You asked him to move. You became audacious in your prayers. And I hope that today we will see that that is not just okay. That is so necessary in our life. To have the faith and the belief that God can and will move in huge and profound ways in and through your life and in the lives of others. We're going to be in 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. It kind of sets up this story for us today. It says this, the company of prophets at Jericho, so there's all these prophets, they went to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? The Lord's going to take Elijah today. He's going to be gone. Yes, I know, he replied. So just be quiet. I don't want to talk about it. This is a sad day for me. My mentor is leaving and I am Sad. Verse six, then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan River. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. I'm not going to depart from you today. So the two of them walked on. 
Verse 7, 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. So they're at the bank of the Jordan River. They're there having a private moment. There's 50 prophets who can kind of see what's going on. They're witnesses to this, but they can't hear what's necessarily happening. Verse 8, Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. He hit the river with his jacket. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them were able to cross over the Jordan River on dry ground. Okay, part of the Red Sea, part of the Jordan River. This happens from time to time. It is a huge move of God, but they walked across on dry ground. Verse 9, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elijah, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Before the end, what can I do? And Elijah says this, and this is the most audacious request that I've found in Scripture. Elijah says this, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. I want double what you got. This is the man who just rolled up his jacket, touched the Jordan River, and the water stopped. Can you imagine the families living upstream from the Jordan when they walked out that morning and their front yard is flooded? What is going on here? Oh, well, there were two guys a couple miles downriver that wanted to walk across on dry ground. God did this miraculous thing. And Elisha has the audacity to say, I want double that. I want two times what you got. And if I'm Elisha, my request is, can I, can I just get a little, like a quarter? Can I get a quarter of what you have? Can, can, I, can, can I understand a quarter of what you know? Can I be something like you? I know I'm taking over your ministry. I know it's not an easy time right now, but I, I, want, I want just a little bit of what you got. But he says, I want double. And if you're not super familiar with Elijah, let, let me give you just a highlight reel, okay? Just a quick highlight reel of Elijah, the, the older, the senior. Let, let me tell you what he has accomplished in his life. And then Elisha has the audacity to ask for two times what he's already got. So Elijah, he minister during the time of Ahab, who was a king of Israel. And here's what scripture says about Ahab. He did more to provoke the Lord our God to anger than any of the other kings before him. So a lot of the kings of Israel messed up. This dude messed up the most. Married Jezebel. He was an absolute heathen. He didn't care for the Lord at all. And the Lord honestly was despised by what he did. Now, during that, so that's what Elijah's working under, he went to Ahab and he got to pronounce a drought. We live in Oklahoma. We have weathermen that tell us all the time it's going to rain, it's not going to rain, it may snow, it may not. We, we, we have people that tell us this, but Elijah walked up to the king of Israel, the most powerful man in that region, and said, here's, here's what's going to happen. The Lord is going to cause it to stop raining, and it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. There's going to be a drought until I say the drought has 
been removed. I am in control of this. That's the first thing that he gets to do. That drought ends up lasting three years. A three-year drought. During that time, since he was the only one who could reverse the drought, he was a highly hunted man. So he goes to the Kidron River Valley, which is where he's hiding out so that no one can bring him back in and say, make him forcefully stop the drought. He goes to the Kidron Valley. He drinks from a brook there. He is fed morning and evening. This is Elijah, fed morning and evening by the ravens. They brought him bread and meat in the morning and in the evenings. Uber Eats, 3,000 years ago, raven style, is how he was nourished until the drought was so severe that the creek or the brook had actually dried up. And so the Lord looked at him and said, I need you to go to Zarephath. I need you to go to this unknown kind of backwoods town. I need you to head there. When you get into town, there's going to be a widow. She has a young son there. I need you to stay with them until I tell you to pronounce the drought done. I need you to go there, hide out, you will be safe. He goes to town. He sees this widow walking through the city gates. As he walks up, he says, hey, can you bring me a drink of water? She does so. He says, hey, I would love, love some bread. Do you got any food? Can you make me some bread? Now that's a bold kind of request, but she looks at him and goes, sir, here's the deal. I've got this much flour, I've got this much oil. I'm here literally getting water because I'm going to go home with my son. We're going to make the last loaf of bread that we have flour and oil to make. We're going to make that. We're going to eat it. And she says, we're going to die because we're starving. This drought and this famine have literally taxed us. We have nothing left. And here's what Elijah looks at her and says, okay, well, if you're going to go make some bread, can, can, I, get, can I get some too? Like if you'll, if you'll just feed me first, then feed you and your son, that'd be great. She kind of chuckles and laughs it off. And he goes, no, you don't understand. I, I promise you, until it rains again, that little bit of flour and that little bit of oil, it's going to last. You'll never run out. You'll have everything you need because the Lord is going to provide for you. And sure enough, he did. And sure enough, that little bit of flour and that little bit of oil, it lasted. And Elijah went and he lived with this widow and her young son. Uh, her young son becomes ill about a year into him being there, becomes very ill, and it just kept getting worse and worse. And he actually dies. He dies. And the woman looks at Elijah and goes, you brought this curse upon my house. Why would you come here just so my son would die? What is, what's going on? What's wrong? And he goes, I, I, think I, can, I think I can do something. I think I can help. And he takes the dead boy out of his mother's arms, takes him upstairs into the home where he was staying, lies the boy down on the bed that he had been sleeping in and just begins to plead with the Lord, please, please, God, restore his life. Three times he begs the Lord, restore his life. He, he's lying on the boy and the third time as he's begging God to restore this young boy's life, he comes back to life. Now, there are not many resurrection accounts in scripture, but Elijah has one of them. He's one of the few that does have a resurrection in his belt. And remember, Elisha said, I want a double portion of this. Elijah had an interesting encounter on Mount Carmel. 450 prophets of Baal, 400 Asherah prophets come together. Ahab is at the center of it. Remember that king that did more to 
cause the Lord our God to be angered than anyone else. They come together, one verses 850, and they have this moment. And Elijah says, Here, here's how this is going to go down. Uh, there's going to be two bulls. I want you to make an altar. I want you to call upon your gods. And whichever God sends down fire to consume, consume the offering, that's who's really God. That's who we know is true. And he goes, you guys can go first. And so they spend the entire day praying, asking their gods, Baal and Asherah, to consume this bull on the, on the altar block. They're, they, they're begging their gods to do this. Elijah's kind of taunting them, like, is, is your God deaf? Is he having trouble hearing what, what's happening right now? And it comes time for the evening sacrifice. And Elijah says, I want you to go ahead and uh, pour a bunch of water on my, my sacrifice. And then he prays to God. He says, let it be known today that you are the Lord and that your people will turn their hearts back to you. Let it be known today that that will happen. And the bull was consumed and the water was consumed and the stones were consumed. And the fire that came from heaven was so, so magnificent that all who witnessed and saw that said, that is God. That's God. Clearly, there's no way around that. And then it was on the tail end of this amazing evening that off in the distance, there was a cloud. There was one little cloud, and then the rain came after three years of drought. And Elijah has the audacity to not ask for a quarter of this, to not ask for half of this, but to say, I want double what you've got. I want double your spirit. And as big as that request was, Listen to what Elijah says, 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. You've asked a difficult thing. Yeah, no, no joke. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, what you've asked, it will be yours. Otherwise, if you don't see me, if you don't see me ascend into heaven, then it will not be yours. Verse 11, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire, that's a cool picture, appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah was taken up and Elisha saw it happen. Saw a man not die, but just be ushered in to heaven. Elisha didn't ask for a double portion of his height, his good looks, his money, his charm, his leadership. Instead, he asked for a double portion of his spirit. So what did Elisha receive? What did Elisha get? Because he saw Elijah taken up into heaven. What did he get? He got a double portion of God. He got a double portion of God's spirit. And I believe... I believe that if we had the audacity to ask the way Elisha does, we too can receive more of God's spirit than we ever thought possible. We can receive more of his power, more of his provision. I believe that we can see it, not because we name it and claim it, but because we start to pray audacious prayers. What do you want for this year? What do you desire? I want a double portion of God. I want more of him. I, I don't need a bigger house. I don't need a better car. I just want more of God. I feel like we live in weakness and fear and doubt and we struggle so much primarily because we don't ask for more. We don't ask God to give us what he freely wants to give. 
We don't ask for it because we either don't think we deserve it or because we don't think God can deliver. Those are the two primary felt needs as to why we don't ask for more. I'm not good enough. God wouldn't give me that anyway because I'm a sinner and I am not worthy. Or I can pray until I'm blue in the face. But I'm not, I'm not going to get more. God's not going to be able to do what I need him to do. God's not going to be able to do the miraculous. I, I just, I don't want to waste my time. Regardless of what side of that coin you're on, I want you to hear what Scripture says in Ephesians 3.20. It says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think, to him who can do that, he does so according to the power that works in us. The power of God is available to us. And when we tap into that power, God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even imagine or think. He can do that because of the power that lives within us. This is a passage, Ephesians 3.20 is a passage on prayer that comes directly after an audacious request by Paul, the author of Ephesians. He prayed for the church in Ephesus that they would know the full measure of Christ's love for them. That they would know the breadth and the depth of Jesus' love for them. He prayed an audacious prayer because the love of Jesus is so immense and it's so much bigger than I think any of us can fathom. And he said, that's my prayer. That's my audacious request. I pray that they would know that. And then he says, oh, and by the way, God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. I want you to know and understand the fullness of Jesus' love for you. And my God will not only do that, he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all of that. How does God do it? He does it by the power that is already alive in us. Romans 8, verse 11. The Spirit of God, the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Those who believe the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Those who believe just like Elisha, we have the fullness of God's power available to us, living in us. And when we ask, he will do more than we can imagine. Why? Because he's greater than we can imagine. Because when he hears our request, he is moved by our humility to come to him and give him the glory. And he responds. When we even think about him moving, he does exceedingly above that. Why do we believe so little? Pray so small? Doubt so much? Why do we fear the worst? Why do we do that? Because God is in us. He's with us. His spirit is here. A double portion of his power is available to you this year. Just waiting to blow your socks off. We say at Summit that prayer unlocks the power of God. We believe that. 
because the presence of God is powerful and available to work in and through you. How do I know? How do I know as the pastor that God will do this, that he will unleash his power in your life simply because you ask? How do I know this? Because of what verse 21 says, Ephesians 3, 21. Why does God do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can imagine or request? He does this because then to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. He does it because when he shows off, when we ask and he responds, he gets the glory. I just wonder, church, what would your family look like this year if you started making audacious requests that the power of God that already resides within you would be unleashed in your life? What would happen if a few of us in the church caught a glimpse of this and began to pray those prayers for our community and for our actual church body. Well, those who are hurting, they would experience God. Those who need to be taught and receive more, that they would have people there who are willing to teach them and give to them more. They would get to know the Lord. We wouldn't need to worry about money, both individually and as a church, because God would always provide enough for us to continue to do what he is fueling and doing. God would be unleashed in your life, in your family, and in this church, unlike we've ever seen before, if, if just a few of us could catch on to this. When we ask, we need to ask with selfless motives. We need to make sure that our life is lining up with the commands of Scripture. So we can't, we can't just be living our own life and doing whatever we want to do and then expect God to just blow us away. We, we can't do that. We need to be selfless. We need to line up with Scripture. We need to ask for things that will bring God glory. But then once we do that, we get to just sit back and be amazed at how God will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. People want to be a part of a church where the power of God is obvious and alive. People want to be in families where the power of God is obvious and alive. This has been and will always be a place like that. Summit, I pray, has been a place where you've experienced the power of God. But I crave, I crave the exceedingly abundantly above all the more. I want to be like Elisha. I want that double portion of God's move, of his presence, of his power. I want to ask him to do those things in your life and in the life of this church. And it's all for his glory. And, and he'll get his glory. But I ask you today, do you believe? Do you believe in his power do you believe enough to make an audacious request? Will you be the one? Will you be the one today who prays, who asks like Elijah asked? Will you be the one who seeks to see the power of God unleashed in your life? Will you be that person? Will you pray that prayer? Will you start this year in that way? I hope you will. Because when we as a whole begin to see the power of God unleashed and unlocked in our lives, our communities are transformed, lives are transformed, the hurting find hope, the lost are found, 
and we see God glorified. And so, Father, I pray today that you would be glorified. I pray today that we would make these audacious requests of you, not for our own benefit, Lord, but for the benefit of your kingdom, your purpose, and your power. Come and move in and through this church. Come and move in and through our lives. May we, may we be like Elijah. May we make requests, Lord, that make no sense. And then may we see you respond in kind. May we see you move in power, in strength, in wisdom for your glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.